I greet you in Jesus' name again, brethren. Certainly thankful to the Lord for giving me the opportunity again to be able to come and worship with you today. I also thank the Lord for Brother Mike Owens for having me in his home and his family, and also you all inviting me to come to your church and appreciate your kindness. Before we go to the scriptures, have special greetings from your brethren from Kenya and my family. As I was traveling, they asked me to pass their love and regards to wherever I fellowship with our sister churches here in America. I want to let you know that uh, they love you, they appreciate you, and they keep praying for you. And we also ask that you keep also praying for us, that the Lord may continue to bless us with his spiritual blessings, especially in growing and understanding in his word. So tonight, I may ask you to go with me to the book of uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I read the first two verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The Apostle Paul makes a statement that has a lot to teach us on how God made a covenant of grace before the world began to save a people that he chose from the fallen race of Adam. And in his mind, out of his foreknowledge, out of his power, out of his sovereignty, put them in Jesus Christ and sent his son to die for them in due time. So the Apostle Paul starts by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ. Here he's talking about a people who he has said who are in Jesus Christ. He's not making a reference to the whole human race. He's making a reference to a people who the Bible refers to us as sheep, the elect, the righteous and the just, that God chose in Jesus Christ before the world began. And he's now telling us, and now giving us a comfort, that there is now no condemnation to these people. Before we look, we look unto these two laws that uh, he's saying in verse 2, let's see these types of condemnation. From here, I believe the Bible is teaching us that there are two types of condemnation that the Bible teaches us. We also need to understand what is the meaning of the word to condemn. To condemn somebody is to sentence one to a punishment for what law he has broken. So you cannot condemn somebody if he has not done any wrong. But here the Bible is saying there is therefore now no condemnation. Let's now try to see these two types of condemnation and see how there is no condemnation to us or to those who are in Jesus Christ. A child of God who has been born of the Spirit of God has two natures. He has the outward nature 
which is a fleshly nature, which is corrupt, which is totally depraved, and he has a spiritual nature, which is holy. So when God created Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden, he gave him a law of which he was to keep. Adam broke the law. And the law was, if you eat of this tree of knowledge and evil, you shall surely die. And later on, we see Adam breaking God's law. And since God is the ruler of the universe, and he is just, he had to fulfill the law that he put on the Garden of Eden. So man was condemned to go to eternal fire. And that is where all of us were destined to go. That is how all of us were condemned to go to hell. That is an eternal condemnation. And once a child of God has been born of the Spirit of God, he has a spiritual nature, which is the inward man, and he has this fleshly nature, which is corrupt. And once the flesh goes against the Spirit, since God has created the courtroom in our hearts, we are condemned in our hearts when we do ungodly things or we behave in an ungodly manner. So we get condemned here and now. But the Bible tells us God is just and is faithful to forgive us if we confess our sins. Amen. Then that guilt that we have in our hearts because of what we have done wrong, there is a timely release when we go before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness and then he, he, he relieves our hearts from that sinful guiltiness. So these are the two types of condemnation that the Apostle Paul is writing, reminding us, and giving us comfort to know that those who are in Christ, his blood has washed away our sins and will never be condemned to go to hell. And once we behave in an ungodly manner and feel condemned in our hearts, we go before the Lord, he's just to forgive us. So here the Apostle Paul is referring to a people that God chose in him, in Jesus Christ, before the world began. If you go to the book of Ephesians, because we need to understand how we got into Christ. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is addressing to the saints in Ephesus. He's saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and the peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Here the apostle Paul, he is identifying himself, number one, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He never made himself an apostle. Remember when he was on his way to Damascus? The Bible describes the event. He had a lot of letters from the authority to go look for people who are seated like us here worshiping the Lord, people who are proclaiming the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to be bound and brought to Jerusalem for punishment, to be jailed, some to be killed. 
So as he was on his way to Damascus, the Lord appeared unto him, and he struck him down. Paul, who was by then Saul of Tarsus, was changed within a twinkle of an eye by the Lord. Paul, who was Saul by then, who had a desire of a fleshly nature, looking for those who were advocating the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, was changed within a twinkle of an eye and asked his Lord, Lord, what should you want me to do? If it is the gospel that quickens one who is dead in his trespasses and sins, it was too late for the pastor to do so. Amen. If it was baptism that gives one a spiritual life, it was too late because the Lord had already done his work and finished. Amen. So here the Lord is prepared at the apostle, and on the other hand, he is preparing Ananias to go and receive him so that to instruct him on what to do. So the apostle, Paul, who was the worst enemy of our Lord Jesus Christ, is now changed within a twinkle of an eye, and we see him as the best defender of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is now humbled, and he is now describing that he is an apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are ministers of the Lord, we are not ministers by our own. We are servants of the Lord. We didn't make ourselves to be servants. It is God who made us because he is the bishop of our souls. So the apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is writing to the saints. And from here we need to, under to learn that uh, he was not addressing all the population that were living by then in that area of Ephesus. He is addressing the saints, very specific people. People who have been born of the Spirit of God at that location. Because the Bible says, The natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So before you have been born of the Spirit of God, the thing of the Spirit, the gospel, prayer, come, having a desire to come to church, is a foolish thing to you. Because you are a dead man, and a dead man cannot hear, cannot walk, cannot desire, cannot feel. So that is how the Bible describes us, that we were dead in our trespasses and the sins. Amen. So the Apostle Paul was addressing already those who have been born of the Spirit of God by that time. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that God chose a people in Jesus Christ. And here now is an evidence that it is God who chose a people. If you are a child of God today, it is because God chose you in Jesus Christ. You never had a desire to choose yourself to or to accept Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible. It is us who has been accepted unto the beloved. So the Apostle Paul is saying, according as he had chosen us in him. So there is a person here who is doing the choosing. God does the choosing and he chooses a people from the fallen race of Adam. And he predestinates them to be conformed into the image of his son. So here we see this God who does the choosing and he, he does choose a people in Jesus Christ for his own purpose, will, and pleasure. So all the glory goes to God for what he has done. It is not the pastor who chose you to be in Jesus Christ. It is not you who made a decision to be in Jesus Christ. It is God who chose you. Later on, we will see the covenant of redemption that God made before the world began 
which points to us the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, which made Paul free when he was under the law of sin and death. And all of us came from that way. We were all of us under the law of sin and death. Until the Lord sent his Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of life in Jesus, to quicken us and, and set us free. So here the Apostle Paul points to us that God chose us in Jesus Christ before the world began. Which merit did he use to choose his people? Did he foresee our good works? The Bible says when you read in Psalms 14, God looked up upon, uh, uh, let's, I don't want to paraphrase, let's go to the Bible. We have our Bibles. I'm not used to English so much, so I might paraphrase. Let's go to the book of Psalms 14. Chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 2. The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Verse 2, the Lord looked upon from heaven. Look, this past tense, I believe. So this is in the time past. Upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Did he find one? The Bible says none. He found none. So God choosing a people in him before the world began is based on his love, not based on our works. If it could have been that he chose a people depending on our works, trying to make ourselves righteous, doing the good things, none could attain the mark. Because all of us were filthy as rags. Remember God created Adam, who was upright and perfect, and he was innocent. So once he broke God's law, he became totally corrupt. And he could not seek the things of the Holy Spirit. He could not even seek God. So if he could not seek God, then how could he do right work so that he can be chosen to, be, to go to heaven? And remember, sin is in the blood from father to son. So Adam was representing the whole human race in the Garden of Eden. When he broke God's law, all of his posterity died in Adam. So here the Apostle Paul telling us that there is therefore now condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. A child of God once has been born again, can decide to walk after the flesh or after the spirit. And walking in the Bible means to live a life that pleases the Lord because you have a spiritual nature. God has given you the ability to do so. And you live the life that pleases the Lord, a righteous life, that is walking after the Spirit of God. And walking after the flesh is when you have lust of the flesh, you desire the things of the flesh. But once you do that, you get condemned in your courtroom. Because God has set a courtroom in your heart to condemn you here and now for our ungodly behavior. But the Apostle Paul encourages us to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. And walking by faith means that we need to live to have faith in the Word of God and be led by His Holy Spirit. 
If we walk after the flesh, then that means we allow the flesh to overrule the spirit. That is, you heed after the flesh. We have desires of the flesh. But the Apostle Paul encourages us to flee things of the flesh and follow after righteousness. And that gives us a sweet fellowship with our Lord. That gives us a sweet fellowship and peace with our families. That gives us sweet fellowship and peace with our church families and also in the communities where we live if we walk after the Spirit of God. We need to pray for God's leadership so that he can be glorified. The Bible describes his children as the light that is set on a hill. You can't light a lamp and hide it under the table. That light can never go far for people who are in the dark to see. And we know God has a people in every nation, kindred, and tongue. And there are so many of God's people who are in the darkness. And they need spiritual light so that they can come in the spiritual kingdom, so that they can worship, glorify, and praise the Lord for what he has done for them. So we are referred as the light, not the light of the world, because we know the light of the world shines the natural world. But the spiritual light shines the spiritual world. And remember, Jesus said he is the light. And he has given us that light in us when we have been born of the Spirit of God. And we represent him. We walk after him as good disciples. So the Apostle Paul telling us that there is no condemnation gives us comfort in our hearts. For nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even our sins we commit on our daily basis. Not even hunger can separate us from the love of God. For he loved us first before we loved him. And he loved us even before the world began. What a wonderful God, a gracious God, Amen. who has forgiven us all our sins, who is right just there for his children. Whenever we go wrong, we ask for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Just like the prodigal son, you remember the story of the prodigal son? One of the sons demanded his portion and went away into a far country. And then he intermingled with foreigners. And after he had spent all what he had, he remembered that his wife should he serve and yet he has a father. Let him go to be even like a servant. When he went back, his father received him and said, My son who was dead is alive. He didn't mean that he died and was buried or he didn't have the natural life. He died in fellowship. When he left, he was still a son to that father. And when he came back, he was still a son. Only that when he had left, the fellowship was cut. So he was dead. There was dead in the fellowship. And how sad it is when you find God's children, at whatever circumstances, they just decide to leave and go to a far country and mingle with the foreigners away from the church family, cutting the fellowship with the church family and with God. But when we humble ourselves, and we feel that we are unworthy, poor sinners, and come back to God, he forgives us. For he is faithful and just. That is a God that we worship, 
who died for the sins of his people. He never came to try to save. He was a perfect savior. He saved his people. As the book of Matthew chapter 1, 21 says, She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So the Bible declares that Jesus had the people that God chose in him before the world began. And he left all his riches and humbled himself to come and lead a humble life, to serve his people before he suffered, bled, and died on the cross for their sins. And we are servants of God. We can serve from various aspects. The Lord has blessed us with so many gifts in our churches, but all of us, like a body, work together. So as Jesus humbled himself to serve, we also need to humble ourselves and be humble servants before the eyes of the Lord. We, we need to serve with humility, to emulate the example of Jesus Christ. He left all his riches and came to this poor, sinful world to die for the sins of his people. And the reason he died for them, we were not able to redeem ourselves from the punishment of going to eternal hell. But because God is merciful, gracious, and for his own purpose and will, he sent his son to die for us. And Jesus is coming back again. He gave us a glorious promise. He is coming back again. And when he comes back again, he's coming to redeem or to take home those that he died for. And go home, stay with him forever and forever. And that glorious morning, we look forward to reunite with our loved ones who had gone down to the grave before us. And when he comes, he will reunite the bodies with their spirits. And all of us will wear a body that will never die. We'll be glorified. And this body that sins will wear a body that will never sin. And there we will be forever and forever. After we have been conformed to the image of his son. It's a, a body that is sinless. A body that is, has no corrupt, corruption. A body that never dies. Because Adam rendered us to be under that law of sin and death. As the Apostle Paul describes so let's go back to our text and see these two laws described here by Apostle Paul after we have seen the two types of condemnation and how the Lord has removed them from us and now we can never be condemned. His love is above all, everything. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. So the Apostle Paul having been one who was fighting against the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and have, after having been freed when he was under that law of sin and death, he is now rejoicing in the Lord, for God had set him free. And we saw that that law of sin and death was constituted in the Garden of Eden. When God said, Genesis 2, 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. So here, God is giving Adam a commandment. And he's telling him, you can eat all the trees that you see in this garden. But this tree of knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat of it. For the day thou eatest of this tree, you shall surely die. 
But we see Adam living several years later. He never died on that day from the human perception. But we need to understand the Bible teaches us about five types of deaths in the Bible. We have the dead of the body when you lose, you, you, you lose your last breath, you become lifeless, you die. Then we have dead in fellowship, like we saw the prodigal son. We also see the second death, which is eternal fire when he's coming back again. So it is very important when we study the scriptures, try to be very specific from the context and understand what exactly it means or it points out too. The very day that Adam ate of that tree, he was driven off from the Garden of Eden and there was separation between him and God the way he used to commune every single day. So there was dead in fellowship on that very day. And we see several years later, Adam dying and going to the grave. If you cut a branch of a tree, you separate it from the tree and the roots because it gets nutrients from the ground. And it looks fresh that very minute, but as time goes by, it starts to wither. And eventually it dries up. So that is what happens to our lives as well. As we, as we keep on moving with years, we get wrinkles, we get weak, we wither, and then eventually we die. So all this happened because Adam broke God's law, which was referred to the law of sin and death, in the sense that if you sin, you die. This is what the Apostle Paul refers to as the law of sin and death. And what were the consequences? When you read in Romans chapter 3, starting from, from verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? No, no wise. For we have before proved that Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin brought death because sin had entered into the world by one man who was Adam. And this sin brought death, and the death passed upon all men. And the sin rendered or brought us into bondage of corruption. We could not be, we were under the corruption of sin. We could not do anything good that is pleasing to the eyes of God. We went contrary to the things of the Spirit of God. Like someone who is in prison, there are limitations he has to, that are within the, the cell. He has no freedom to do whatever he, want, he wants to do as he used to do. Because there are laws that bind him to be under that cell. So sin brought us under that bondage. That we could not be able to do the things of the Spirit of God. And it rendered our bodies to be corrupt. But in due time, God had made a covenant to redeem his people. And through Jesus Christ, he set as free as he had said the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So these two laws are contrary one to another. And the first law, which has set the Apostle Paul free, points us to the covenant of redemption 
in Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So we see here, it is God who does all these five things. Out of his foreknowledge, and out of his power, and for his purpose and glory, it did not surprise him that Adam had sinned, because God knows all. He knows from the beginning to the end. He suffered it to be so for his own glory, I believe. For he knew that Adam could sin. It didn't surprise him. So before the world began, he chose this number of people from this fallen race of Adam and put them in Jesus Christ. And he made a covenant of grace by himself on how to redeem these people. And this covenant was one-sided. It had no condition that the sinner might agree or might fulfill this and that so that he can be incorporated in the family of God. The Bible does not teach us so. He did it out of his grace. Amen. And here he says, and we know that all things work together for good, them that love God, them who are the called according to his purpose. So when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God sends his Holy Spirit to a dead sinner. And when they hear his voice, they leave. Amen. God quickens them irresistibly by his irresistible grace. Amen. For Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and they shall never cast any one of those. And how do they come to the Father? He draws them. He draws them to Jesus Christ. If you had a bucket of water, you tie a rope and drop it in a well. The water that is in the bucket is drawn irresistibly and comes out of the well. That is how Jesus does. God draws a people that he chose in him to Jesus and he quickens them. He gives them a spiritual life. And once they hear his voice, that small still voice in their hearts, they live and then they become alive. Just like the wind blows, that is how the Holy Spirit of God blows. It blows from east to west, not to south. Amen. We don't know where it originates from and where it ends to. We only see the swaying of the trees. We only feel the breeze on our face. That is how God sends his Holy Spirit to his children, to every nation, kindred, and tongue. A minister of the Lord may not be able to go there and spread the gospel, but the Spirit of God cannot be hindered to reach to the child of God. Every child of God who ever walked in this earth, the last one before he comes, will be quickened. None of them will be lost. For in, in, in the book of John, Jesus says he is a good shepherd. Let's look at that, into that book. John chapter 10 he gives us an assurance that he is a good shepherd. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep 
and I'm none of mine. So God knows all his children that were chosen in Jesus Christ. Some of them may not know even their names because they are mentally afflicted. But in their heart, they know that there is a Lord. Some of them may not even know their pastor. But in their heart, when they are quickened, they know there is a God in heaven. So Jesus says, he's a good shepherd, he knows his sheep, and they are known of mine. So his sheep knows the Lord in their hearts when they are born of the Spirit of God. And he says, my sheep hear my voice in verse 27, and I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus is a shepherd, he's a good shepherd, and he's a shepherd, of our, a bishop of our souls, and we are his sheep. Because he made us to be sheep. And he's saying, he gives unto them eternal life. It's not a temporal life. It is eternal life. Amen. A life that he promised to give his people before the world began, and he gave it. God never lies according to the attributes of God. He never lies and he changes not. So he gave a promise. He made a covenant by himself. And in due time, he fulfilled it. It came to pass. So he says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. How blessed are we and comforted to know that the child of God is safely secured in the hands of God. He can never stray away and go to hell. We are securely preserved in the hands of God. For he is powerful, and nothing can pluck us from his hands. Not even death can separate us. Not even the sins we commit can separate us from the love of God. For he is a powerful God, and he is a God of purpose. And my Father, which he gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Hallelujah. So back to our text in the book of uh, Romans, we see the covenant of redemption, which is the covenant of grace, we see God foreknowing a people, God calling them when they were dead in their trespasses and sins, and then we see for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate the same, same number. So this same, same number that he foreknew before the world began will be quickened, and this same, same number that he foreknew, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. So he determined their end, their destiny. So our destiny, God determined it before the world began. And out of his foreknowledge, he will change these bodies of ours that is corrupt to be conformed to the holy image of Jesus Christ when he is coming back again. And then those that he did predestinate to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among them, among the men brethren, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So there is a justification, there is a glorification, there is a calling, there is a, an, our image being conformed into the image of our Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, his shed blood justified us and made as holy before the holy eyes of God. And our sins were forgiven 
and thrown away as east is far from the west, and they were made as white as snow. He was not a failure in saving his people. He was a successful savior. And right now, he is seated on the right hand of God, interceding for us. Because the work of saving his people from going to hell was finished on the cross. And he is coming back again. What a glorious morning that we look forward to. That very day, that when he will come within a twinkle of an eye, our bodies will be changed and glorified and put on a body that will never die and put on a body that will never sin again. And then we can meet him and go to heaven and stay there forever and forever. Amen. He gave us a glorious promise. As he said to the, his disciples shortly before he went to the cross, he said, where I go, I'll come. Never, let your hearts not be troubled. He went to prepare a place for his people. We never had a place in heaven. He had to do something. He had to pay for our price. He had to share this blood so that we can be accepted in him by our God. And he did it on the cross. And when he rose again, he rose a successful savior. For the Bible says he spent in the grave three days and three nights. The son of man suffered on the cross. He never opened his mouth. He never said anything. He hung there just for the sins of us who are poor sinners. We needed to glorify our God. We need to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. To give him honor and glorify him. To glorify his name for what he did on the cross. We have a bunch of kids, but none of us as parents can be willing to sell your child for the sake of someone else because we are too selfish because of the fleshly nature that we possess. But God is love. He loved his people to an extent of sending his only son to die for their sins. And he died and paid the price. We need not to shame him and walk in an ungodly manner. We need to walk after his ways and trust in his word and walk by faith and let our lives portray the life of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself to serve his people and to die, to suffer and plead for the sake of the mistake our forefather did in the Garden of Eden. So Adam representing the earthy man, Jesus represents the spiritual man, two men here. The earthy man who is sinful and the holy man here who is God manifest in the human flesh. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, we were not there physically, but he was representing us and all the consequences befell on us. When Jesus was on the cross, we were not there physically, but he represented the elect family of God who died in Adam. And he paid the price, and he is coming to take us back home. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus Christ. We need to live our lives as his true disciples. I know we have a lot of challenges in our lives. We are afflicted by so many things. Sometimes economy can uh, trouble our minds and our hearts and think like our business is going to die. But let's focus on Jesus. We walk by faith. We had a discussion with my brother Mike when uh, we went to one of the malls 
And in Africa, if you tell somebody that we have uh, doors that are opened by themselves and closed, when they see you, they think that you are mad. <laughs> so you walk into a mall, a few inches before you get into the door, it opens up. So if I brought somebody from Africa who has not known that before, and we keep walking because I and Brother Mike and you know that it can open, then you tell him, go ahead, let's keep on going. No God to open for us. And then tell him, let's go, it will open. I think he has to see by sight that let, once it is open, that's when he can go in because he might pump his head against the glass. But since we know, we walk by faith, knowing it is going to open. And when you don't know, you walk by sight. But the Bible recommends and encourages us to walk by faith. We trust in God's name. We trust in God's word. And have his Holy Spirit lead us in this life here and now. Despite the challenges we have, let us not be discouraged. The Apostle Paul says, I reckon not the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared to the glory which shall be fulfilled in us. Remember, Paul suffered for, for the cause of Christ. He suffered when he was spreading the gospel. He was stoned almost to death. He was whipped 40 plus minus one. He was jailed, but he never forsook the Lord. He suffered. We also suffer. But our suffering cannot be compared to what our Lord Jesus went through on the cross. Your suffering might not be the same as mine, but all of us suffer. But we need to trust in the Lord that when he's coming, this body waited for the manifestation of the glorification which is to come. And where we go, there will be no more suffering. No more death. No more hatred. No more hunger. For when he's coming, he's now not coming like a son of man who humbled himself. He's coming like a king. And with all his archangels, and with all his glory. The first time he humbled himself, came like a, a private citizen. But now he's coming like a king, where everybody will see him, and all nations shall be gathered before him. Yes. And like a shepherd, he will separate his sheep from the goats. And the sheep on his right hand will be told to inherit the kingdom that was prepared for them before the world began. And the goats on the left will be cast into the lake of fire, the second death. And we will go and be with our Savior forever and forever. What a wonderful Savior. Out of his wisdom, he made a covenant of grace. And through his Son, Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit quickened us. And that spirit of life in Jesus Christ set us free from the law of sin and death. That's a wonderful Savior that I encourage you, brethren, that we may continue to serve and let our light so shine among men so that he can be glorified. May God bless you for your good attention.